Hey friend, thanks so much for meeting me here at Frothy Monkey in beautiful downtown Franklin, Tennessee. It's a great place to get a good cup of joe and share together in some good conversation. Anyway, be looking at the menu. I know you're new here. Decide what you want. Text it to me. I'm going to go ahead and get in line and place our order. Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the world, and other things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, always advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Well, it's April 21st, 2021. It is spring in Middle Tennessee, as they call it here in Tennessee. We live in what they call Middle Tennessee. Spring in Tennessee is worth it all. And I can testify today that that is a fact. The clouds are cotton candy. The skies are clear blue. The sun is shining, the trees are blooming, the flowers are blooming, the grass is green. It's just astounding here in Central Tennessee. If you ever get a chance to come to Tennessee, come in the spring. I am so excited that today's episode is episode 100. Episode 100. And I'm thrilled to be a part of this. I'm thrilled that God has allowed me to do this. It's cool that today's episode is only fitting of what should mark episode 100. Let's get right into it. Today's episode title, Worship God as Creator, Plain Revelation, Revelation chapter 4, dedicated to God. In today's podcast, we won't spend much time delving into an analysis of the various components of imagery that John encountered here in chapter 4 or the rest of the book. There is much research and opinion on all that it means available for you to study on the internet. We need to keep in mind that the apocalyptic vision gives us a look into things in such a way to focus our attention on particular aspects of the coming end of the world that God wants us to know, but it does not give us insight into everything about God, His heaven, His throne room, His creation, His creatures, or His exact timing and sequencing of events. To get bogged down in too deep a study and speculation on such things is just that— speculation. The important thing on this side of the end of the world, as we know it, is to know what the Word of God says. In God's time, the Spirit of God will guide us into all truth and bring clarity to anything in the book of Revelation and the Bible that for now seems cloudy. In Revelation chapter 4, the Apostle John is invited in through the cast door of the Heaven Theater, where the final dress rehearsal of Act 3 of a three-act play is ready to get underway. The scene is the throne of God in heaven, and a prologue to the future things. The production crew is assembling on the stage now. We are drawn immediately to Almighty God at center stage and the peripheral participants in this final dress rehearsal of the greatest show in heaven and on earth. You and I, through the revelation given to the Apostle John, are about to get a sneak peek of the final production. This is a vision of special importance, giving us heaven's insight to the earthly scene that will follow. At the very beginning of the scene in verse 1, we are informed that what we are about to see is necessary and it's binding, a moral necessity which arises from God's holy purposes and appointments. Whether you like it or not, believe it or not, accept it or not, these prophetic apocalyptic visions are set in stone and are non-negotiable. God is sovereign and the ruler of the universe, yet God's rule is hidden today. The world, under the power of the usurper, rages against God, thinking it has jettisoned God's authority. But God's providential power and plan still rules the world and always will. For now, His rule and throne comes into view through this written revelation. But at the appointed time, it will be showtime, and the whole world will know. 
In the preceding two chapters, we have been encouraged that the overcomer will sit with Christ on his throne. The word throne is used 45 times in the book of Revelation versus only 15 times in the rest of the New Testament. A throne is used to signify sovereign power. Sovereign means supreme. God, even in repetitive choice of words used in this book, is resoundingly declaring that this world is His, the creation of it is His, the destruction of it is His, and the rebuilding of it is His. The scene here strongly portrays the fact that God is in control. Though the nations rage and devise their plans, He who sits in the heavens laughs, it tells us in Psalm 2. The first coming of Christ found Him lying in the manger, weak and vulnerable, humble, a servant, Yet the second coming of Christ finds him seated on the throne of heaven, ruling in majesty and power as he prepares to pour out his wrath on the ungodly and ushers in the new heaven and the new earth. Listen to Revelation chapter 4, the throne room of heaven. After this I looked, and there in heaven was an open door. The first voice that I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and there was a throne in heaven, and someone was seated on it. The one seated there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian stone. A rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald surrounded the throne. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the throne sat twenty-four elders dressed in white clothes, with golden crowns on their heads. Flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder came from the throne. Seven fiery torches were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. Something like a sea of glass, similar to crystal, was also before the throne. Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were around the throne on each side. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. They were covered with eyes around and inside. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, 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 Lord God, the Almighty, who was, who is, and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power, because you have created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. In this chapter, our attention is drawn immediately to the presentation of God and the peripheral participants in this final dress rehearsal of the greatest show in heaven and on earth. We notice the production assistants, the angels, and wonder where in the world did those strange-looking characters come from? They are a composite blend of the cherubim of Ezekiel chapter 1 and chapter 10, being filled with eyes and faces that look like a lion, an ox, a man, and an eagle, and the seraphim of Isaiah 6 having six wings. We notice that the drama's board of directors, the 24 elders, are also assembled around the throne. The stage lights are set simply perfect with the manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God, as represented in the seven fiery torches, who are the seven spirits of God. We curiously gaze at all these peripheral participants of the greatest show in heaven, all the while failing to give much attention or notice to the fact that the producer-director is already seated on his throne at center stage. To humanize, what we see appears to be strange and alien. Perhaps we are alien, 
to true worship because too many times we focus on the peripherals of worship rather than the person we worship. The focus of John, the angels, and the elders are all correct. Their focus is on worshiping God. Here are some general observations. Satan will attempt to distract you and me with anything and everything in order to keep our focus off of God and worshiping Him. But real, successful, meaningful, vibrant life starts and ends in worshiping the Creator God, the One who made us. Here are just a few thoughts. Heavenly worship of God directs me to, first of all, dedicate my time to God. The eternal God who made me wants my time, all of it. You and I must eradicate compartmentalization. The one who is timeless, it says in verses 8 and 9, is worthy of the sacrifice of our time. Psalm 27 verse 4 says this, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. You and I say, I love you with our time. The second thing is to dedicate my speech to God. As we look at heavenly worship, we need to dedicate our speech to God. The eternal God wants your speech to honor Him and direct others to Him. Your speech, your words, reveal the attitude of your heart. Attitude is a composite sketch of the impact of your external environment on your soul. Let me say that again. This is important. Our speech needs to be dedicated to God as we worship Him. Our attitude is a composite sketch of the impact of your external environment on your soul. Your speech, your words, reveal your intended actions. When computers first came out, we said G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. What should be distinguishing characteristics of our speech as we give honor and glory and worship to God? Glory. That means the recognition of another's worth. So think of the word recognition. Next, honor. That means reverence, respect, to give status to God. Take status away from ourselves and give status to Almighty God. And the third thing, our speech should reflect thanks, to express gratitude for benefits and blessings. Think of the word gratitude. So notice, a word of praise to God evokes worship in others. A negative word distracts. When the beasts give praise to God, the elders then bow down and worship the Almighty God. A big point here, our communication either promotes or prohibits others to worship God. God sees our entire life as lived out before Him. It is all said in His presence. The third thing is to dedicate my abilities, your abilities to God. Notice the elders change one aspect of the worship formula as seen in the beasts from thanksgiving to power as they bow prostrate on the ground and cast their victory crowns given to them by Jesus before God's throne. They say, O Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and by your will they exist and were created. The angels give thanks, but only humans can give power. Angels are sealed. Only humans can yield, yield power. Only humans can give their God-given abilities back to God and worship Him. What is power? The potentiality to exert force in performing some function. The mystery of the gospel has been entrusted to you and to me, to humans. What abilities, what potential we possess. The God who made us wants every bit of our potential and our power to be used for His glory, honor, thanksgiving, and power. The producer-director has unusual interest in collecting cans. He has unlimited wealth, yet he wants our cans, all of them. 
we can do this, we can do that. He wants every can, every capability that we possess. Why? Because he is the one who gave it to us in the first place. The angels and the elders direct our attention to how it's done. How do we worship God? They offer ceaseless worship. They're in verse 8. Never tired of giving their all for God. The elders give up their best, their position, and their possessions to God. They bow down. They give their golden crowns. Do you really worship God in your daily life? Is your time, speech, and abilities dedicated to God? Isn't it interesting that the 24 elders around the throne give the reason God is worthy of all this? They say, because you have created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Wow. In the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, in the last moment before the earth begins its final whooping, leading to its final destruction, that's a Texas word means for a beating, and folks, friend, what is to come is a beating of this world and its system and its things. The truth is once again here in chapter 4 declared before all this begins, before all of it unleashes, that God is creator. And what is on the verge of happening to the created is done by his will. The entire world has bought into the lie of Satan that it is scientific fact that the world began by a cosmic accident perpetrated by Charles Darwin in his book, Origin of the Species. Yet creation is a natural voice and revelation of God. Day after day, it manifests God's blessings and declares His glory. You can see that in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and Psalm chapter 19. Man, the rebel, has believed the lie of Satan, when by rights he should fall down in adoration and worship of the Creator. Instead, he stands in open rebellion and worship of the creature, himself, in place of the Creator. And for that reason, the Creator is getting ready to pour out His wrath on the ungodly and strike the earth with cataclysm to end all cataclysms. The way of equilibrium, peace, in the midst of this agitated world is found in joining the team of the winner, the Creator God, by bowing down before Him in reverential worship and dedicating your time, speech, and abilities to Him. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.